0: Welcome to First and 30. I'm Nick. And I'm Antonino. We're two 30 something year old guys who take the best ultimate reality television show in this hemisphere, American football, through four uncensored downs of mostly unbiased opinion in some analysis.
1: In a game broken down into 10 yard segments, we take it with you one step at a time. And that's First and 30. Let's go, go for it. it.
0: All right. Welcome to the first and thirty podcast. I'm your host, Nick, aka, the voice of Radio Ocasio. Joined by my companion over here, Antonino, the Podfather DeSandro. Antonino, what's happening, my man? Oh, the
1: football season, the regular season's over. I'm kind of sad about it. I'm not gonna lie.
0: I bet you're sad about it. You have extra reason to be sad about it. You're you're Bengals, unfortunately, are not going to be in the big dance while my Dallas Cowboys are going to have a home playoff game. Not to rub it in.
1: Yeah, yeah, it must be nice. I guess uh, you can't go to the AFC Championship every year, and the AFC North was pretty brutal, so I'll be happy to switch divisions with you anytime.
0: Well, the NFC East has had a champion, a different champion for the past 19 seasons now, so it's always a a uh, dichotomy and competitive division there. So I don't know if you want to wish upon that, but real quick before we do hop into these downs, Antonino, I remember back in August, way back in the the yonder years, when we were at that Bay Sox game, dreaming about a Cowboys-Bengals Super Bowl. My mm-hmm. team is trying their best to pull that end of the bargain, but quite disappointed that your, your Bengals couldn't live up to the test.
1: Yeah, if Joe Burrow's listening, I miss you.
0: <laughs> there you have it. Joe Burrow, get well soon. Well, man, let's hop into first down. High hopes. I hope I hope. From For those of you who might be new listeners, we like to kick things off on a, a positive note and examine and discuss best thing we saw this past weekend in the NFL. Or in this case, maybe the best thing we saw this entire season. And I think we're going to tee it off with the Los Angeles Rams, Antonino, and your improbable playoff run. They have secured the sixth seed in the NFC with a 10 and second seven record by beating the 49ers. This was already locked and loaded before this game anyways with all the backups. But what what is our impression of these Rams and the season that they just, uh, just had?
1: Yeah, uh, they almost look very similar to The Greatest Show on Turf with the St. Louis Rams. So could we uh, be in some sort of time machine here going into the playoffs with Puka Nakua, Stafford, Kyron Williams, all these weapons? Could they, could they be bringing back The Greatest Show on Turf?
0: Mm, potentially, maybe. I don't know if they're putting up the numbers that The Greatest Show put up, but if Carson Wentz is carrying the rock 17 times like he did this past week against the 49ers, we might be seeing the new Mike Vick of the league as well. I did catch that. I
1: did see that. That could be another wrinkle they add to their playoff playbook.
0: Yeah, could you imagine Matthew Stafford lining up with Carson Wentz directly behind him, handing the ball off to a six foot five QB and running up the middle? <laughs> I mean, he only averaged like 3.3 3 yards per carry in this game, but still, it was, it was quite funny seeing 17 carries from person
1: <laughs> yeah yeah not only that not only did he rush well he i think helped puka Nakua break not one but two records
0: yes he did so puka Nakua, the fifth round pick heading into this season not only broke the single season nfl record for most receiving yards by a rookie which he eclipsed with 1486 yards but he also broke Jalen waddle's single season rookie receiving record for receptions so he had 105 catches this past season too man
1: talk about putting up numbers out of nowhere they have a super young team i think a lot of those players are are getting it done for them this year Uh, i'm a gambling man so i know vegas had them winning before the season five games i believe it was over under five games and here they are going to the playoffs
0: yeah only uh better than the the cardinals and you, you know heading thinking back at the beginning of the season too. I know I didn't have high hopes for the Rams. Cooper Cup was listed as out. They put him on IR, so he was automatically out the first four weeks. And I remember listening to reports at the beginning of the season when Matthew Stafford apparently made comments that he was still trying to find connections with these young wide receivers but having a difficult time doing so. Then Puka Nakua emerges on the scene in Game 1, has a huge game, I personally thought that this was just a blip in the radar. I didn't, I had not heard of Puka Nakua before this season, nor did I think it was impactful after that first game. But this guy has just balled out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know early in the season, he was the hottest waiver wire pickup in the fantasy season. So he might strike gold there next year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like you said, they started slow at three and six. I don't think anyone expected them to get to this point. But after the bye, dare I say it. They are the hottest team in the NFL going seven and one to end the season.
0: Jeez. I did not know that. So they've won seven out of their last eight games. I mean, I remember before the bye, they had a game against Dallas where they got stomped. Uh, Matthew Stafford missed a game because of injury. Cooper cup was also dealing with an ankle injury outside of that hamstring injury that he was battling through midway through the season and Yeah, they were three and six. I think I wrote them off at that point as no way that they're going to contend. But as you alluded to, seven out of their last eight. Dare I say, they are a team to be reckoned with in these playoffs. I know personally, I wouldn't want the Cowboys to be matched up against them here in the wild card weekend.
1: Yeah, they're under the radar, and I think that's right where they want to be. I think they prefer to be under the radar and slept on. I think, especially, like I said, them having a young team, they might go out there, play loose, play fast, and uh, they'll perform at their
0: best. Yeah, well, they have nothing to lose, really, because nobody really had high hopes for them to begin with, so the fact that they're even in this situation right now kind of gives them that heads- headspace, you would think, just to kind of go out there and play their brand of football, but Kind of speaking on behalf of that playoff game, they do have a pretty intriguing matchup, don't they?
1: Yeah, I think next week we might have a reunion of sorts.
0: I think you're right, know, So you, let, let's serve this up on a silver platter. With that, it's now second down. And in this segment, they are who we thought they were. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. So we're going to go ahead and uncover a team or player, perhaps a coach, that met or lived up to our expectations. So with reflecting on the Rams and their wildcard weekend matchup, they'll be going against the Detroit Lions. And in this segment, I want to examine first and foremost before we uncover that matchup a little bit more, the Detroit Lions and the decision that they had this past weekend to start all of their key players, and a game that a lot of people said didn't really matter. So do do you want to first break down what the implications were for this game? We can kind of give our opinions on what transpired in a game that they played against the Minnesota Vikings.
1: So the Detroit Lions, they came into this game with the possibility of getting the two seed. They had the one o'clock time slot for their game. The two games that were hinging on them possibly getting the second seed were in the four o'clock slot. So them not knowing whether or not both the Cowboys had to lose as well as the Eagles. So they go into this game blind. They just know they got to win and they got to cross their fingers and hope for the best. So they go in there, they play their best guys, and I don't knock them for that at all. You know, you play to win the game, and that's what they did. Um, they might have had a slight a slight injury with Laporta, which I don't think is major. He should be back. But I don't fault that at all, fault them at all for that. They go in there, they win, they beat a scrappy Vikings team. Although they didn't get the second seed, they're going into the playoffs with momentum.
0: Well, here's the thing, man. The best-case scenario for Detroit, as, as you were mentioning, they could have secured a two-seed, but they needed Dallas to lose to a very poor Washington team, which Dallas beat during Thanksgiving 45-10. to 10. So the likelihood of that seemed slim. Not only did they, they need Dallas to lose against a poor team – They needed the Eagles to lose against the Giants, who are another poor team that will be picking in the top 10 of this upcoming year's draft. So I think it's not, not surprising that Dan Campbell decided to play his starters because we know how he is as a head coach. This guy likes to gamble. He likes to play fast and aggressive against every team, every opponent, and that's kind of his mantra and how he dictates things. What you covered and touched on briefly the injury to Sam Laporta. I think that could be potentially huge. If he can't suit up against the Rams this upcoming weekend, you'll look back on this decision that he made to start his uh, key players and, and question it. And But that's kind of a part of the game, I suppose, as a head coach. Regardless, I would be under the mindset, rest your guys best case scenario was you move up from a third seed to a two seed, but you needed a whole lot to happen in order for that to occur. The cons outweighed the pros, in my opinion. I I can see why you disagree though.
1: These are not your old lions. These are your brand new lions. And like Dan Campbell said after the game, you're either all in or you're all out and they were all in. So they go in there, they get the job done. They win. Then the Eagles lost to the Giants, and it was was Mm -hmm. a blowout, too. It was an ugly game. So you're looking at this Redskins-Dallas game, or Commanders, I should say. You're watching this game. Commanders take an early lead. So at that point, all the Lions fans are feeling pretty good about themselves. But as always, the Commanders not only let down the people in the DMV, they also let down a lot of people in Detroit this week uh, taking the l
0: they They almost had what they needed to play out with Philly losing twenty seven to ten to the Giants. And with their brand of football, like you mentioned let me let me pull this stat for you because it it does speak volumes to Dan Campbell and the type of coaching that he has had over the years now here in Detroit with this kind of play to win mentality and as he alluded in that press conference after the game but with their fourth down attempts I, I was not aware of this until I started digging a little bit more into their statistics Detroit was second in the league this season with fourth down attempts and conversions so they had 38 fourth down attempts this season they converted on 50% of those now last season Antonino you know they broke an NFL record with 41 fourth down attempts, 21 conversions. But I was quite surprised by this. This is a little off topic, but it is in topic. Could you tell me the team that actually broke Detroit's record this season with the most fourth down attempts and conversions? So I'm just going to give you the number. They had 46 attempts this year. They converted on 23 of those. So 50% of those attempts they converted on. And that's a record. This is a record. And it wasn't the lions. Who was it?
1: It has to be. There's no other team. It could be, it has to be the Philadelphia Eagles and the tush push with all those fourth and one fourth and inch conversions. They get automatic.
0: Mm, that's a good, good answer. I'm going to give it listeners listener a moment, just to chime in too. We have a trivia link on the Spotify page. If you're listening on Spotify, go ahead and chime in. But that is actually incorrect. The Philadelphia Eagles do have the highest conversion rate on fourth downs with the 76%, in large part due to the tush push. But actually, the team that has the record now with the most fourth down attempts and conversions is none other than the 2 and 15 Carolina (laughs) (laughs) Panthers. Jeez, yikes. Who would have thought? Well, I guess if you're, you know, you have nothing to lose. That's the kind of the definition of it. You have nothing to lose. You're the worst team in the league. Might as well just go for it on every, every attempt. And I think that also reflects on their, their play. They kind of keep things close to the line of scrimmage as it is. So no big plays out of Carolina this year.
1: So I guess we have, we have a lot to look forward to in this matchup. Like will Dan Campbell stay aggressive, like you mentioned and go for it on these fourth downs? Will he stay the same in the playoffs? Cause when the playoffs comes, it's a whole different ball game. So, I'm curious to see if he stays the same, but I also like to see how these uh, NFL script writers have this Jared Goff-Stafford reunion. I'm so curious how this is going to develop. So we have a lot, a lot to look forward to.
0: Uh, I find exception when you put this whole NFL script writer thing. I think we're going to have to have a whole episode this offseason dedicated to NFL conspiracy theories and have you cover those topics, Antonino.
1: <laughs> I would absolutely love that. And while we talk now on Sunday, there's going to be all the Swifties subscribing to Peacock just to watch the Kansas City Chiefs playoff game. So the NFL's smart. They know what they're doing. It's all scripted.
0: If you say so, I like to think it's not. But how about this, man? Let's head to third and long. We're getting behind the chains a little bit here. And in this down, what were you thinking? So we're going to call out a team player coach uh, for a boneheaded decision. And this one stood out to me. Quite, quite frankly, it was kind of absurd. The Saints were winning against the Atlanta Falcons 41 to 17. They score a touchdown from the one-yard line with a little under a minute left to go. Do you want to break down how this came into play and, and what what occurred on this play, Antonino, and what your thoughts are and what you were thinking with it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So people's feelings got hurt on this play. The Atlanta Falcons threw an interception with their third-string quarterback, okay? It's Tyron Matthew. He returns it to the one-yard line. This is at the end of the game, mind you. So he gets stopped at the one. They get in a victory formation. We've seen this a million times, okay? So who's the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints? None other than Mr. Crab Leg Stealer W. Hand Eater, Jameis Winston. (laughs) And you know, when he's on the field, it's always a show. Get your popcorn ready. So he hands this ball off. Instead of taking the knee, finds it upon himself to hand it off to Jamal Williams to get in the
0: end zone and score a touchdown and arthur smith got his feelings hurt well before we cover that what would you have done in this situation you know your team's up big 41 to 17 games over game set match head coach dennis allen and offensive coordinator pete carmichael calling the play they they tell Jameis winston take a knee we're gonna kill the clock call this a day call this a season because the saints did have some implications here they needed to win this game in order to stay in contention for the divisional crown in the NFC South, however, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took care of business against the Panthers, winning nine to nothing. So ultimately, this game had no impact to the playoffs. However, the play calls in—you know, you're the quarterback, you're Jameis Winston. You get the play. What are you going to do, Antonino? You know, are you calling an audible like Jameis did, and and putting it upon yourself to go ahead and give Jamal Williams his first rushing touchdown of the season? Let let me remind you before you answer this. Jamal Williams led the league with rushing touchdowns last year for the Detroit Lions. He had 17. So coming into this game, he had zero. Yes, zero rushing touchdowns. So what would you have done? Hey, we we play for keeps out here, okay?
1: This is the NFL. There's, there's not Pee Wee League. There's no mercy rule, okay? This is a division team. There's bad blood in the water. They play each other twice, okay? I'm going for it. And we're mm-hmm. scoring, and we're going to rub it in. And guess what? We'll be talking about it until the next next season when we meet again. But if you have your brother in the backfield who's had a very disappointing season, I think Jamal Williams ended with 300 yards. He averaged 2.9 a carry. He had tons of injuries. If you think getting your teammate, your family, your brother, you know that bond that they share all year long, yeah, I'm going to do what I, I can do to give him a touchdown to feel good to have that under his belt and go in the off season uh, with a little
0: bit of esteem
1: behind him. Yep. For sure.
0: Okay. I, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to criticize you there. I'm kind of old school with the mindset you play with a level of integrity and respect to your opponent. We won the game 41, 17. I get it. Jamal Williams from a personal standpoint could have used that, that stat boost and he's had a rough year too. But to go out there and disobey and go against your your own head coach, I would uh, not be surprised if Jameis Winston finds himself cut this offseason, yeah. in large part due to, to this decision that he made, just yes. to overturn his and overrule his head coach.
1: So he will be a free agent. Speaking of which, a few days ago was his birthday. And ah, on his birthday, they go. restructured his contract. Uh, and now he's going to be a free agent. So uh, he, he, he quite possibly did get sent to the principal's office, but I don't think he cares so much because he'll be in a different city next season anyway.
0: Well, you know who did care a lot about this play? And you mentioned it. Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, approached Dennis Allen after the game, did not shake his hand, instead scolded him, furious for the decision, thinking that Dennis Allen called this play in. Uh, we later found out that that was not the case, that the team decided to disobey the play call and call their own number. But Arthur Smith was just furious after this game, waving his finger in front of Dennis Allen's face, screaming at him, irate from the decision to run up the score uh, for what he thought was Dennis Allen's decision. But, uh, oh, wait, Antonino, I know you've been covering the Atlanta Falcons head coaching situation for a few weeks now, And you've been diligently scouring the locker rooms as well as the facility. It sounds like we have some breaking news coming across the 1st and 30 desk. Antonino is reporting to us live from Atlanta, Georgia, where he has some breaking news on the Atlanta Falcons head coaching situation with Arthur Smith. Antonino, can you hear me? Nick, Nick, I'm here. Okay. Hey, what's going on over there?
1: I've been working hard getting to the bottom of this here. I was in the locker room and I caught a stench, a very strong stench. And I've been following my nose here. And this smell is not from the locker room, okay? It took me up to the front offices, straight into the head ball coach's office. And I found something especially peculiar. On his desk, I found a cardboard box on Arthur Smith's desk. It had a nameplate, a couple of fake plants, and a playbook with some atrocious plays in it, none of which used B. Robinson or Kyle Pitts. So, Nick, it is clear to me that Arthur Smith has been fired for terrible play calling and most likely for cutting his mustache.
0: <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks. That's it. Arthur Smith with a 21-30 and 30 record, zero playoff appearances. Has, in fact, been fired. Antonino, thank you for the cutting-edge reporting and the major snooping that you've been doing over there in Atlanta, Georgia. I do think the Falcons need to reinvest in better security, though. Uh, There should be no excuse for why you've been wandering around in their facility unnoticed for this long.
1: Yeah, it's probably best I
0: head home. There might be a, a warrant out for me here, so I better get out while the block is hot. Thank God. Well, since you did get out of there, Antonino, guess what, man? It's fourth and forever. It's time for a Hail Mary. Dropping back in the pocket. Looking. There's the Hail Mary. Headed for the end zone and it is. Touchdown! Touchdown! Now, in this down, we're going to cover a team in particular and a few players that shined brightest this weekend and one of the bigger upsets that we've seen all season. How could we not discuss the Tennessee Titans? Beating the Jacksonville Jaguars, sending them packing early and eliminating their hopes and dreams of a postseason run. Why don't you talk this through for us real quick?
1: The Tennessee Titans came out and, with a, a season with nothing on the line, beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. They woke up and they chose violence and they got revenge on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because if you remember last season, last game of the season, Jacksonville kicked the Titans out of the playoffs. Mm. So I have a feeling there was something else behind this, and they came out there uh, extra motivated to get the W here, not only to end the Jag season, but to, to get that payback and really end, end the season on a high note.
0: Yeah, and they were led by their bell cow running back, Derrick Henry. He had 19 carries, 153 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, this was a must-win game for Jacksonville. Uh, they win, and they're in, their end, basically. They would win the AFC South. They would clinch a playoff spot. So a lot was riding on this game for Jacksonville. But not only the Jaguars, there were a lot of implications here for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Buffalo Bills. They needed the Titans to upset the Jaguars in order to secure a playoff spot. So I know the Steelers, faithful, were watching this game Mm. diligently. Buffalo had a game in a matchup later in the night against the Miami Dolphins, which... They did take care of business and secured the two seed. All this to say that this game had a huge ripple effect on the rest of the league and the playoff picture. So a lot of teams should be sending the Titans some roses here, especially the Pittsburgh Steelers after their upset win against the Jaguars.
1: Yep, this effectively clinched the playoff berth for both Buffalo and Pittsburgh.
0: Props to the Tennessee
1: defense, who stood up late in stopping Trevor Lawrence, Twice in the fourth quarter, once on the goal line, fourth and goal, two yard line. He reaches out over his offensive lineman, stretches the ball out a mere inches short. If they got that score, they could have possibly tied it with a two point conversion after that. So that was unsuccessful, despite the efforts. Trevor Lawrence did come back from injuries, uh, so he's been battling a lot of injuries as of late. But yeah. then in the last drive of the game, fourth quarter, fourth down, he overthrows his intended target. So. Props to Tennessee for standing up the flaming thumbtacks, as I like to call them if you see their logo, (laughs) the flaming thumbtacks. They stood their ground. And, you know, we should really reminisce a little bit here because this could be the last time we see Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and possibly
0: head coach Vrabel. Yeah, and that would be a shame, too. They had such a, a great run over the past, what, five, six seasons now since Mike Vrabel took over as the head coach. I mean, if this is Derrick Henry's last season, which a lot of people are predicting it will be, uh, he ends up being Tennessee's second all-time leading rusher in franchise history with 9,502 yards, trailing only Eddie George. But he will leave as their uh, all-time leading rushing touchdown leader with 90 touchdowns. Uh, Meanwhile, Mike Vrabel, he's had a, a great run with the Titans. Who could forget that 2019 playoff run where they made it all the way to the afc championship game upsetting the baltimore ravens in the divisional round but ultimately falling short to the kansas city chiefs who i believe were the eventual championship champions in that that season over the 49ers
1: similar to Jameis winston trevor lawrence made an audible made a call for himself to go forward on fourth and goal do a quarterback sneak which wasn't the original plan and uh he got stopped and this is a game of inches and some people's have their heart broken today and their season's over and others are headed to the playoffs. So good on the Titans for going out there to win and better luck next year to Jacksonville as the wheels fell off the bus.
0: Oh man, I think that just about does it for us here. So how about we wrap things up with our positive impact of the week, just reflecting on these games in particular Why don't you take first take here?
1: Yeah, yeah. just like the Titans, you go out there to win the game. And although the game might not have meant anything, we can relate that to our personal life. It could be the small wins. If you have a checklist, you notch out those small wins on your list, and it builds, you you compound that. And all those little everyday wins grows and grows, and it becomes a winning lifestyle, a mentality that breeds success for yourself as well as those around you moving forward. So just like the Titans, go out there to win. Get those small wins. Even if you think they're meaningless, they, they add up and they'll make a
0: difference going forward. Yeah, kind of building upon the the, the little habits throughout your day and throughout your week, just to uh, add all those up. I, I like it, man. I like the connection. And for me, I think I'm gonna look back on high hopes. First down with the Rams. We really didn't give them a shot this season. Uh, no one really did. We had low expectations. We kind of judged a book by its cover, so to speak, with that old adage. So with that, I kind of think on the the different people that stepped up for the Rams. Puka Nakua, you know, uh, some of these little named guys like Kyron Williams that we didn't anticipate having the types of years that they had, but ultimately contributing in a major way to the success of this team. We can take this in a personal manner, too. There's going to be people that we might meet and... Uh, become acquainted with and giving them a chance too. not judging folks just by the the impression that we have giving them a true chance to to show their their real selves and seeing what kind of opportunities and possibilities can be discovered and presented through those interactions through those encounters and and just being open to those possibilities so kind of take that away from the rams here this season and uh, hope to imply that in our everyday life as well yeah, I couldn't
1: agree more. I'm glad this is recorded so I can go back and listen to that as motivation.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate that, man. Uh, so with that, though, thank you for joining us for another episode of First and 30. Until next week, remember, when your number's called, no matter the odds, just go for it.
1: This is a first and 30 production. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Podcast, or wherever you listen. Be a part of the community by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.